0: scars that heal he broke the curse and set me free cross I will boast only in the cross the Father's love at Calvary my sin erased my debt he paid, this is my hope, the song I sing, this is my hope, the song I sing, and Cross. Only one took the nails, and only one sprung to the veil, only one spotless lamb. I will boast only in the cross. Yes, I will boast only in the cross.
1: Good morning you have your Bibles with you. We're going to be starting in John chapter three and verse two, this is where we'll be starting. John chapter three and verse two. I want to say thank you to uh, to all of you for allowing me the opportunity to be here. You know, I I say that everywhere I go, I thank the church, even though I know 90% of the time the pastor, and uh, I'm sure doesn't consult you on who he calls to fill in for him, but I thank you anyway for for being gracious to me and and allowing me to be here. And uh, for a little bit this morning, I want us to think about the thought of the willing Christ. The willing Christ. The word willing, or rather willingness, means free choice of the will, freedom from reluctance, readiness of the mind to do or forbear. You know, there are things that we're able to do that a lot of times we're not willing to do. A lot of things that we're we're capable of that we just lack the uh, the desire or the zeal or the passion to go and do it. You know, certainly there are things that I can do that I just don't feel like doing. You know, I, physically I am capable of going out and just starting to run around the church. You know, I'm, I'm I'm in you know I'm my legs are in good shape. There's nothing holding me back. But of course I don't have a desire to do that there's there's no reason for me to do that I don't have any kind of any kind of reason to motivate me to do something like that even though it is possible I'm not willing you know you have to be willing we must be willing to do what it is the lord wants us to do Because if there's something we know, it's that the Lord does desire for us to do something for Him in this life. He does have a will before us. He does have a plan that He wants us to follow in a certain way. He wants us to live. And He will equip us with everything we need to carry out His plan for us in our lives. He's never going to ask you to do something that you're not capable of doing. It may seem like that. It may seem like you have a task before you that is insurmountable, a task before you that you're not going to be able to accomplish, but I can promise you, if the Lord needs you to do something, He's going to equip you with what you need to do it. It's all going to matter on whether or not you're willing to do it. And so, what I want us to look at this morning is a man who was willing to do things that I dare say most of us would never be willing to do, and that's Jesus. So first, I want us to look at at a few different aspects of Jesus and the ways that He was willing to do things. And in John chapter 3, starting in verse 2, we see Jesus as the willing teacher. In John chapter 3, starting in verse 2, it says, The same came to Jesus by or rather verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to be in your house this morning, Lord. I just thank you for the many blessings of life that you've given to us that we're so undeserving of, God. And I just ask that you be with us this morning as we as we look at your word, Lord, and just allow us to take the truth of your word, Lord, and apply it to our hearts and our lives so that we could better serve you. And God, if there's someone here who's lost, I pray that they'll see their need for Jesus as their Savior before it's too late, God. And, And those who are here that are saved and maybe just haven't been doing everything they need to be doing, Lord, haven't been living the way they need to be living, I just ask that You help them to see the need in in getting their lives right, Lord, and coming back to You. And we just love You so much, and we thank You most of all for Jesus and what He did for us on the cross so that we could be saved. It's in His name we pray. Amen. (laughs) So Jesus as the willing teacher. Now what we have here is this man Nicodemus who was a Pharisee coming to Jesus by night to ask him questions. Now if there's something we know about the Pharisees is that they love to give Jesus a hard time about everything. You know the Pharisees did not get along with Jesus because Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. And the Pharisees didn't want Jesus to be their Messiah, so naturally there was that, that tension and that clashing between them. And the Pharisees did everything they could to have Jesus persecuted, arrested, killed. They just, they didn't like Jesus. And this Pharisee, Nicodemus here, it tells us he came by night because he didn't want anybody to know that he was coming to talk to Jesus. And I can only imagine how one of us would have felt if we're sitting there and we've got this person and they just constantly love to bug us. They constantly like to give us a hard time. They try to make our lives as hard and as miserable as they can. And we see them coming to us. And I believe Nicodemus here had a genuine desire to understand. He came to Jesus with these questions because he wanted to know more. He wanted to understand. He wanted to know, what is this being born again? What is this about? What do I need to do? He wanted to know. There was that genuine desire. And I can only imagine how one of us would have felt if someone came to us... Who really we didn't care for, they really just, you know, kind of rubbed us the wrong way, and they came to us with genuine desires or questions that we could answer. How would we respond? If we were Jesus in this situation, what would we do? Well I know in the flesh what I would want to do, I'd want to, you know, tell the Pharisee to stay away from me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Everything you do is is, is making my life difficult. Everything you do is in opposition to the life I'm living. You're doing everything you can to hinder the work I'm trying to push. Why would I want to help you? Well, it's because Jesus understood more than anyone that this man needed a Savior. Jesus understood that this man needed to understand. No one is ever saved without that realization that they're a lost sinner in need of a Savior. So That realization must take place, and I'm so thankful that there were people who were willing to teach me growing up. Man, I don't know where I'd be today if it wouldn't have been for... And I'm not just talking about the preachers and the Sunday school teachers. I'm just talking about those people who just showed me the love of Christ all my life. And I saw how they loved me and I saw how they cared for me and how they wanted the best for me. And then one day it finally clicked that it really wasn't about me or it really wasn't about them, but they just wanted me to see the love of Christ in them. And that's such a wonderful thing to have people who are willing to do that. And my heart goes out to any of you here who are school teachers today. The amount of patience that that must take is, is beyond me, but friend, none of us, should ever reject the opportunity to teach someone about Jesus I don't care how little you know I don't care how uh, ignorant you are ignorant you think you are in the ways of the Bible friend if someone comes to you with a genuine desire to understand something about the Lord they come to you with questions friend you don't have to answer everything perfectly but you tell them everything you can you point them to the Word of God you you point them to someone else who can explain it better friend don't ever turn somebody away because you think you won't be able to help them. We need to be willing to teach others about Jesus. Jesus didn't turn Nicodemus away, but he taught him the truth with a sincere heart that he would would be helped, and hopefully that he would be saved. In Luke chapter 5, we see Jesus as the willing healer. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12. verse 12 says this, And it came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Jesus was, we know, 100% God in the flesh. We also need to understand that Jesus was also 100% man in the flesh. And we'll come more to that later. A lot of people I know that I've talked to really struggle with that. It it, it doesn't click in their mind. How can he be totally God and totally man at the same time? Well, the best way I've heard it explained is this. I have two parents, Mike and Kim Wilkes. You know, Am I 50% Mike's son and 50% Kim's son? Well, well no, I'm 100% Mike's and 100% Kim's. And that's the only way it could ever really make sense in my mind. Shows how simple my thinking is there, but... He is God in the flesh, and He is also a man in the flesh. But that Him being God in the flesh, He was powerful. And He was able to do things that we cannot do. And healing was one of those things. And I'm going to tell you, we know that because of the fact that He was God in the flesh, He was more than able to heal people. This was no great burden or great task for Jesus to endeavor to go in to heal someone. I don't believe this was some great tasking event that drained Jesus of all His energy and He had to go into rest. No, it simply says He just touched Him and He was healed. And something I love in this passage here, after He said, I will be thou clean, and immediately the leprosy departed from Him immediately that's just so beautiful to me to see how when you're healed by jesus it's not a long drawn out process of getting better but friend when jesus touches you you're healed it's so beautiful to have a lord who can heal us that way and it, it's not a process or a, or a length of time but friend when jesus heals us we are healed he was more than able to heal that man but it was his willingness that made the difference for him now this man was a leper and you do any any research on lepers in this day and time, friend, these people were outcasts. They were thrown outside the cities because this was a horribly contagious disease, a disease that just ravaged people and I mean they you had to stay away from the lepers. Stay as far away as you can, but friend Jesus didn't do that, did he? I can only imagine the poor people surround, people around him when they see Jesus walking up to this lesser this leper, well he's getting too close. Does he know that that man has leprosy? What's he thinking? And they, they see him talking and they see him reach forward. And oh, I bet they were about to have a fit then. And then the man got up and was healed, wasn't he? Amen. He was willing to help that man. In Matthew chapter 11, you know, we, Jesus being on this earth. And healing the people he did, and all the amazing stories we have, man, we look back and think, what a thing, or uh, what a sight it must have been to see Jesus perform these miracles, to see Jesus heal these people, to see Jesus do all the miraculous things that he did. Man, I wish I could have seen it. And of course, there's a part of me that says that too. But, friend, I want you to know, Jesus is still healing today. Jesus is still healing today. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me tell you, friend, Jesus can heal our broken spirits today. He can take you in a place where you are distraught, and when you are hopeless, and when you feel like you have nowhere else to go, and just like with the leper, He can place His hand on you, and friend, you can be healed. Jesus can do things for us that nobody else in this world can do. There have been times where I was so upset and I was so frustrated. There was nobody else in the world who could have made me feel any better. But friend, when I went to Jesus and I took my problems to Him, I took my burdens and my cares to Him, He was there for me. He was there to listen to me. Let me tell you, friend, He can give you peace. He can give you rest. He's the giver of peace and joy and rest that no one else can ever give us. Everybody else in this world can and will let you down. I don't care how close they are to you, how much you love them, how much you think you can trust them, friend. People will always let you down. Jesus is never going to let you down. He is always there for you. He is constant. He is constantly good. He is constantly there to help us in our times of need. Friend, don't bear your struggles alone. I don't believe that God enjoys watching His children struggle. I don't believe for a second that God looks down at safe people and, and they're struggling with, with depression and they're struggling with anxiety and frustration and anger and heartache and, and bitterness and grief. He doesn't look down and think, you know, they're getting what they deserve. That's just their sin nature taking effect. Friend, he looks down and says, I wish they'd come to me. That's why Jesus said, Come unto me. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to bring your problems and your burdens and place them before him, friend, because I can promise you... His yoke is easy and His burden is light. What is set on your shoulders that weighs you down and, and keeps you stuck in one place and won't let you get up and move on is, is nothing for Jesus. He can handle our problems, friend. It's just going to be whether or not we're willing to take our problems to Him. Because He's willing to help us, we've just got to take our problems to Him. The 110th Psalm, the short psalm here that I want to read, we look at Him as the willing Lord. It says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power In the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through the kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook and the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Jesus is so much better to us than we deserve. Let us not ever take the mercy and graciousness of our Lord for granted because we don't need to forget how powerful our God really is. I think we, we often lose sight of it, of how big God is. I've, I've talked about this before and, and I find it to be true in my own life anyways. We often have a, a separation in our minds between God. Almost as though there's two different aspects of God. You know, when I pray to God, when I when I take my problems to God, when I, when I ask God to forgive me, I feel like this is one God. The God who's there to listen. The God who's there to care for me. The God who's there to, to, to show me which way I need to go. I feel like this is one aspect of God. And then in my mind, there's this separation. And then way over here is the God of wrath and the God of power and the God of judgment. And I'm almost like, they're, they're two separate people. But friend, we need to understand, that's the same God. That same God who we talk to is the same one who spoke everything into existence. He's the same God who controls all the power of the things that are happening on this earth, friend. He's the same one. And let us not forget how powerful He is. Every time we bow our heads in prayer, we're not just talking to an old friend, but we're talking to the God of everything. The God who controls everything. The God over our lives and the lives of the people around us, friend. He is powerful. And I'm so glad that He is good. Man, because God deals with us in two different ways. God, so much more often than we deserve, deals with us in a hand of mercy. Aren't you so glad we don't always get what we deserve? Man, if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here today, I promise you. He's just so good to us and He has so much love and compassion towards us. But friend, God can also deal with us in a hand of judgment. When the time for compassion and mercy has ended, friend, sometimes we we deserve to be punished for the way we've lived our lives. And so often what we do is we get frustrated with God when we finally receive that chastisement from Him. And friend, chastisement, as much as it hurts us in the flesh, it's that reassurance that we are children of God. Because the Bible tells us that He chastens us because He loves us. Even though, like children, we don't understand it. Just like young children being, you know, being punished by their parents, they, they don't understand it. Their parents are just mean. Their parents don't understand. Their parents don't love them. Friend, that's how we feel sometimes when we're being chastened by God. But one day we grow up, don't we? And then we realize it was because He loved me. Don't ever take for granted the mercies of God and don't ever push God. Don't ever test God's patience. Don't ever see how far can I go before God decides to punish me. Friend, let's not do that. Let us just stay where God wants us to stay and keep that relationship on good terms. I'm so glad that God is good to me. I'm so glad that the God we serve is righteous and just because He will do what is right because God is always right. The willing sacrifice. In Luke chapter 22. When we look at Jesus, we understand that he was sent to this earth for a reason, and that was to come and to be the Lamb of God to die for the sins of the world. Jesus knew that. This wasn't some surprise to Jesus. Jesus understood his purpose on this earth that was to come and to die for the sins of mankind. In Luke chapter 22, we have the account of, of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane before His arrest and and, and, the betra- and His betrayal by Judas, and He's taken and, and crucified. This is in the garden. And I want us to read what happens here. In Luke chapter 22, and verse 39, it says, And He came out and went, as He was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and His disciples also followed Him. And when He was at that place, He said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know, earlier I was talking how God or Jesus was one hundred percent God in the flesh. Right? He he was all powerful, he was all knowing, he was one hundred percent man. And Jesus, as a man, sat here. And he knew what was about to happen. He knew what he was about to have to do. He understood the pain he was about to endure. The physical pain, the the spiritual torment he would suffer. He knew it was all coming. And he did not look forward to it. He was not excited about it. Don't believe for a second or don't let anyone convince you that Jesus was sitting here looking forward to going and dying on the cross. No, He says, if there be any way, let this cup pass from Me. What He's saying is, God, I don't want to have to do this. If there's any way that Your will can be accomplished where I don't have to go and I don't have to die, please, if there's anything. He said, not My will, but Thine be done. He said, God, I I don't want to have to die I don't want to have to suffer. He says, but what I want really doesn't matter because you have a will and you have a plan and what I want is not greater than what you want, God. I'm going to go and do what you need me to do regardless of how I feel about it. And in our lives, friends, sometimes God has something set before us and we say, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't don't want to surrender to preach. God, I don't want to give up my life of sin. God, I I don't want to start reading my Bible. I don't want to get back in church. Friend, in your flesh, you're never going to want to do it. That's okay. Your flesh is against everything that is right. Your flesh is sinful. Your flesh wants the things of the world, friend. What you have to do is say, it doesn't matter what my flesh wants. What does God want? And you do it anyway. Man, Jesus didn't want to go die on the cross. The pain he was going to suffer, he wasn't looking forward to it, but he knew that it had to be done. And so he said, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it anyway. And he did. And he sacrificed himself for the sins of the world. Jesus was a man who had a choice. And he chose to go and to die. Friend, Jesus at any time was able to come down off the cross. Understand that. He was put up there by the Romans and He was nailed on. And at any moment He saw fit, He was able to come down. But He was willing to stay on the cross so that we could be saved. And I'm so glad He was able to do that. I want to read just one verse in John chapter 1. Verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God, sent from heaven to take on our sin debt. What is the significance of Jesus being the Lamb of God? Well, in the Old Testament, I'll I'll try not to go too in depth with this, but we know in the Old Testament, sacrifices were, had to be made for the, the wrath of God to be satisfied. You see, sin and, and God do not coincide. Sin and God do not go together. And when there is sin, there has to be a payment for that sin. And the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so, in the Old Testament, the, 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 the saints of old had to take animals and sacrifice them to temporarily satisfy that wrath of God. And it was all temporary. Because it was was never truly good enough. The blood of bulls and goats and sheep It was never good enough to really satisfy God. So God sent his own lamb. The lamb of God to die for the sins of the world. And you see in the Old Testament. One day a year in the temple and the tabernacle. There was a special day where the high priest would have to take the blood of an animal. And go in to the holy of holies. And spread this blood on the altar in the mercy seat. And what happened is God looks down and He sees this blood. And His wrath is satisfied. And we know about the Holy of Holies is what separated this part of the tabernacle and the temple from the rest was the, this great veil. And man, if you if you ever do any research on a veil, it's, it's really interesting. It's this great, huge, almost carpet-like thing. And it's very thick. And man, what we know is no one was allowed in the Holy of Holies. There was the presence of God. And sinful man could not go in the presence of God. It just didn't work. And friend, when Jesus went and He died on the cross, He took His own blood and went into the Holy of Holies and spread His blood. And God looked down and saw that blood, and the veil was tore. Amen. That separation that kept man from God was, was gone. It was done away with. And now man could come in the presence of God with that covering for their sins. Because of what Jesus did, it covers all my sins. It covers everything I've done. And I can come before God and stand before Him justified. And I can stand before God and say, God, on my own, I was a mess, but your lamb has covered all my sins. Everything I did, Lord, has been covered. And the last thing I want us to look at is Jesus as the willing Savior. In John chapter 4. Just one verse here in verse 42. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world." Jesus had to die for us to be able to receive salvation. God was able to do anything He wanted without ever paying a thing. When God spoke everything we see into existence, understand it didn't cost God anything out of His checkbook, if you will. Or it wasn't some, some great event that He had to plan out for and He had to save back His money. Friend, God just spoke and it was here. Because He's God. God. But when He created man, He created us with that free will, that choice to decide what we're going to do. And we chose to sin. We chose to sin. And the only thing that God could not do without having to pay anything was to cover our sins. It wasn't automatic. God couldn't just say, let their sins be gone away. It, could, it, it can't work. A payment had to be made. And so He sent Jesus. And Jesus was that payment. Our salvation cost a great price. It was the blood of Jesus. And I'm so thankful to God that He saved me through that blood of Jesus. And I want you to understand something this morning. If you're here and maybe you, just, you don't quite understand, what, what does this mean? What, what does this have to do with me, friend? The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you are here this morning and you're breathing, friend, you are a sinner. You may not be the worst person in the world, You may be a pretty good person in the eyes of of the world, friend, but the Bible says that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before God because you stand before God with sin. And with that sin, you'll never be able to go into the presence of God unless there's something to cover it. Unless there's a payment that can be made, friend, you'll never be able to stand before God like that. And I want you to know something. God wants you to be covered. He sent His Son to die so that you could be covered. The Bible tells us that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to be saved. And you say, well, what what does that mean? How how, how do I be saved? I don't understand, friend. The Bible makes it very clear what we must do to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. One of the most familiar passages of Scripture in all the Bibles, John chapter 3 and verse 16. As for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm so glad for what Jesus did. And I ask you this morning, are you willing to make a decision for the Lord? We see how much the Lord has done for us. And how willing He was to go and to die on the cross for us. And He simply asks that we live for Him. He simply asks that we we obey Him, that we love others, that we love Him. And if you're lost, He wants you to be saved. Are you willing to do that today? Lost person, are you willing to set your pride aside and say, Lord, I'm tired of fighting it. I'm ready to be saved. And saved person, are you willing to say, Lord, I'm done running from you. I'm done sinning against you. Lord, I'm done fighting you. I'm ready to give in and to serve you fully. To give my everything to you, Lord, I'm ready. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I don't mean to be morbid with you, friend, but you're not guaranteed to make it home today. Well, I'll just do it next week. Or I'll just wait for the next opportunity, friend. You have right now. God's not giving you any more guarantees. You've got right now. Take what He's given you and be saved. Saved person, be willing to labor for the Lord.